aka Patters, it's the film buff. Peter A. DeLuca here, throughout social media, sometimes known as Acapad or aka Pad69, but always through the multiverse, known as the Eclectic One. This is this is my obsession. This is my passion. This is my buffiness. Uh, that's right. I'm doing a recording after uh, watching the 1963 Cleopatra for my drawing desk. I've seen this movie a, a bunch of times, but I just, I don't know. I just had the need to watch it again. To listen to it, to soak it in before discussing it with you. Because every time I watch this movie, something new takes me. Something new blows me away. Uh, I don't know too much about the actual production. Uh, I only remember something from AM. I, I remember two details about this movie from these really cool documentaries that AMC used to run before and throughout movies. Uh, you know, back during the day, AMC would, they would kind of have uh, a movie like Cleopatra, Ben-Hur, Ten Commandments, uh, Lawrence of Arabia, and they would almost like do DVD special features throughout the entire broadcast, and I'm not joking, a, a four-hour movie would become a five-hour broadcast, or it's really cool stuff, and, and people that were uh, still around, uh, even lighting people, and, and key grips, and caterers, they, they would just get people who were involved with the movie to sit down and discuss what they recall. The two things I recall about the Elizabeth Taylor masterpiece, by the way. I'm calling this movie a masterpiece. I'm calling this movie what maybe should have won the Oscar uh, for the 1963 films. Because it's spectacular. Th this movie did a lot of damage when it comes to the technical parts of the Oscars. But AMC, uh, they, they showed you footage one time of the lines for Cleopatra. The lines alone for this movie. It was crazy. It was bedlam. It was like pandemonium. All these things you can imagine. Spotlights. People waiting. Uh, it's just endless uh, desire to see what this... And, and maybe it was built up in the trades, in the newspapers, on, on radio, on, on TV. Like Maybe it was built up. But people had to see this movie. And I'm sure a chunk of it was the absolute draw of Elizabeth Taylor. And Elizabeth Taylor plays Cleopatra with the subtle, not-so-subtle heart. It's impossible to put your finger on. Same with, same with Rex Harrison as, as Caesar. You can't exactly put your finger on their performances. But you're watching something special. Cleopatra... Elizabeth Taylor in this movie is nothing but flat-out, head-spinning, Cinderella effect, sexy, slutty, whorish, but not royalty. Like, you now she's regal. There's a sense of royalty to her. There, there's a sense of pride. There's a nationalism. All of these things. I can't think of many female roles that do this, even during this time. And given... Uh, I would kind of take a little bit of a progressive take. Uh, just kind of, you know, like just a little bit with the idea of it's great that a woman has this role, right? We got to say that. What's not so great is that it's a sexualized role. And this is a point that I'll, even even today a lot of third wave uh, feminism folks out there miss. Uh, roles are not great roles for women if it's sexualized. It doesn't matter. It really doesn't. And that's just my point of view on that. 
But Caesar in this movie is he's funny, he's goofy, he's dynamic, he's 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 expert, he's cunning, he's slick. It again, it's it's just like a mire, the mosaic of descriptions that fit these characters, that fit these portrayals. And why exactly is this episode about Cleopatra? They are like, why did I wake up and want to discuss a movie made in 1963? Oh, oh. And the other thing from that AMC documentary tidbit is I, I just remember this movie bankrupting 20th Century Fox. <laughs> like tanking the entire company because it was just it was that expensive and it took too long to make. I think it took two years too long to make. It was like, you know, potentially like a Waterworld or an Ishtar back for the day. Uh, I, I, and I would say that there was like murmurs of that, where uh, at one time when you when you discussed movies that that, that shot for the moon, uh, interrupted the cash flow of studios and really didn't do what was expected of them. Cleopatra was was on that list for a while. Even movies like Ishtar have gone down the memory hole. Uh, Heaven's Gate is a, is another great one of those. But I haven't been able to hit my social media feed without seeing anything about Netflix and Netflix Cleopatra and she's black and they're blackwashing and experts say she's not black and and a, a lot of this stuff. The trailer only dropped. I thought the Netflix Cleopatra was already on Netflix. I wanted to watch it before discussing this with all of you. But no, I just saw the trailer, and guess what? It's a trailer. Uh, moving on. Uh, I'm not it, like it's. I'm not fully interested in trailers, or even what a trailer tells me. I'm I'm interested in the material and the movie, or the miniseries, or the TV show, or the content as we call it today. But this movie, I I gotta say, just jumping back to 1963, Cleopatra. It's got one of the best introductions of. Our protagonist of our of our titled character that we've ever seen, I would put this above Michael Keaton as Batman getting introduced because it is ridiculous. It's awesome. It's fun. Rex Harrison's Caesar plays along with it. And if you don't know, I will act spoiler just a little bit. Cleopatra sneaks back into her kingdom after being cast out by her brother. Accused of trying to murder him, by the way. But she shows up in the rolled-up rug. And she gains access to Caesar through uh, a series of secret passages. Really cool stuff. And then the movie, at this point, kicks into everything you love about Sopranos and Game of Thrones. It is intrigue. It's espionage. It's political. It's player versus player. It's game theory. People... This movie deserves more love. It deserves more accolades. Shame on you if you're not familiar with the 1963 Cleopatra. Because I don't think they're going to have a better Cleopatra ever on film. And there's been plenty of attempts. I, I believe, like, what was... Sorry about that, folks. I maybe had a little bit of a pause there. I, I picked up my mic. Uh, 1899, Cleopatra's Tomb. Could you imagine that? 1900, the year 1900, we had a Cleopatra movie. Cleopatra 1970, animated. Serpent of the Nile, 1953. Anthony and Cleopatra, 1972. I believe that was the one I was more familiar with growing up. The Two Nights with Cleopatra, 1954. 
Asterix <laughs> and Cleopatra, another animated. Uh, it's it, look Caesar and Cleopatra, 1945. Cleopatra, 1934. Jeez, can't talk here. And Cleopatra, 1963. Uh, Joseph L. Mankiewicz, he's our director. This guy took a big bet on this movie. Suddenly, last summer, Julius Caesar, all about Eve, no way out, House of Strangers. The Escape Sleuth, his last movie, Masterpiece. Guys and Dolls, Barefoot Contessa. This movie is not directed by a schlump, but everyone made a big bet with Cleopatra and it didn't quite land. It didn't quite hit the stratosphere, didn't quite hit the meosphere. I'm sure during the day. This movie fascinated a lot of people because, again, this, this uh, we're transitioning into the 70s. The 60s is the last hurrah for these big budgeted movies. They are later to become uh, more and more antiquated. But this movie, period, deserves your full attention, a.k.a. Padgers, my film buffers. And with that being said, give yourself four hours to watch this flick. You will thank me for it. AKA Pad, Peter A. DeLuca, the film buff, signing out. Love you guys.